Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show this morning. We are continuing through our top 10 stories of 2021. And you know what? Maybe these aren't the top 10 that you have, but since we have the microphone, we're going to choose. <laughs> and if you disagree with the top 10, just send Write a letter to Russ. <laughs> no, no. Send them all to Phil. There you go. <laughs> He's uh, got the broadest shoulders. I will take your complaints. <laughs> he has lots of calluses from all the lashings over the years that he's received. <laughs> Um, well, we have already done five shows, so if you've missed any of those, you can just subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. We're going to move on to number five. And by the way, these are no particular order. We're not actually ranking them. Um, but number five deals with the withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, um, last year. And we're going to use that as a springboard to talk about the persecuted church. So after 20 years of U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan, the Biden administration ordered a complete withdrawal. Uh, many Americans were appalled by images of desperate allies seeking to escape the vengeance of the Taliban. Many Christians worked behind the scenes to evacuate friends ahead of a Taliban crackdown on the underground church. Um, now, I actually was at – Russ, I was at your church. I don't remember when it was, but it, you guys had a missionary in Afghanistan. Yeah, we can't say a whole lot just because um – Okay, I'm we, sorry. I'm not no, trying to call you. No, 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 out. no. But it is true. We had we ha- we supported missionaries that were in Afghanistan um, during that time period, and uh, it was a tense couple of days as they were at the airport and and trying to get out, and and they witnessed some horrific things um, throughout that process, and um, there, you know. Concerns for their own safety, but concerns for the safety of their brothers and sisters in Christ that were being left behind, um, that were not going to be evacuated, that were not going to be leaving, um, and the, the the fear of how this was going to play out, um, Taliban saying things publicly that many are wondering, will that actually be true after the West is kind of removed from from Afghanistan. Will they hold true on some of their commitments to being a more open society than they were, whatever number twenty five years ago, prior to um, the the wars of the early nineties? Yeah, and so that's the ongoing concern of yeah. yes, they made it out, but what does this look like for those that remain? Yeah. So there was this. Uh, so obviously, the, I think. Somebody said in the media or several people said that this was the kind of the longest campaign or longest war that America was in because we were there since like 2001, right, after the attacks of September mm-hmm. 11th. And so we were there 20 years, and then um, the the administration uh, pulled back the troops. Um, so we're not 
going to talk so much about the, the, the policy there, but how this affects the church. So here's the first question. What obligation, if any, does America have to Christians in Afghanistan? Boy, that's a, that's a really hard question to deal with. Um, and uh, w- one of the things to be aware of is that uh, the church was endangered in Afghanistan even when we were there. Um, they were uh, subject uh, to persecution from uh, uh, radical Muslims, uh, particularly the Taliban. Uh, one, one of the things that we've found out since the American withdrawal is that the Taliban was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just kind of came out of the woodwork uh, when, when, when we left. Um, so um, Christians in this country definitely have a responsibility to pray for and to make the world aware, uh, make our uh, society aware and and keep it visible in places where the church is being persecuted. And it's not not just Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. Um, but we need to keep praying for them um, and we need to keep talking about it uh, so that... um, there's not much that we can do policy-wise, um, but we can definitely pray and we can create awareness. And I, I think that second part, the, the whole idea of awareness, um, the tendency is, and it's not inherently wrong, so don't hear this as a, as a moral judgment on my part because it's not intended that way. It, we should be concerned about it's, – it's kind of uh, concentric circles. So my greatest concern should be for my immediate family. My next concern is is the layer out from that. Um, so then my church family. And then you keep moving away from that. And so naturally my greatest concerns deal with my own church, the church in the United States, and then you keep moving out away from that. What my fear is is that we we never keep going out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that we never quite get to our brothers and sisters in Christ that that live and struggle in other parts of the world. Yeah. And so I so please hear this in the most charitable way. I'm not trying to to shame you and say shame on you if you're not aware of what's going on to Christians in Afghanistan. I I, I would say it as an encouragement. I think it it does behoove us to understand the universal aspect of the church yeah. mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and be aware and concerned with people that we are in union with because we're in union with Christ. And so it is a matter of of trying to learn what's going on so that we may pray more specifically. Um, it's okay to pray generally for the persecuted church, um, but I do think it, it does – make it more real and more tangible when we pray for the specifics of what's mm-hmm. going on in specific areas of the world. And I also think in terms of prayer, you know, the things that we could be praying for, you know, in persecuted situations, uh, Christians oftentimes are separated from other Christians. So we need to pray for that they will find fellowship, that they will find community, that they will be able to meet, uh, that, uh, you know, also we know from church history that, uh, you know, the, old, the the saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We pray that out of that persecution uh, would grow a church uh, that would be uh, one that would be strong in that community. We pray for the persecutor uh, that uh, that they will uh, 
come to an awareness of what they're doing and and that those lives would have an effect on that persecutor. Mm -hmm. There's ways we can pray for them um, that is not simply the elimination of the persecution, uh, but and we pray for their governments. Um, You know, I think that one of the things that uh, you know we've done we've looked for regime change, but regime change has not brought peace to churches. Actually, if you go back and... Regime look, change doesn't necessarily bring about heart change. No, right? and, you, and, you look at, and you look at what took place, you know, like you can go back historically, you know, whether it was Iraq, Lebanon, uh, Egypt, you know, when, when these dictators were taken out, um, the anarchy actually created more persecution for the church than what they experienced. I mean, even, you know... Even uh, Saddam Hussein had um, or had um, a someone who considered themselves a Christian as one of his spokesmen. Uh, you know, you. I think that we we think that the government's going to solve the problem, but actually, it's the gospel that's going to solve the problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually also support some missionaries that are in U- the Ukraine right now. And uh, in my congregational prayer last Sunday, I, I prayed for their safety, naturally, with all of the unrest of the region. But part of it also reflects what Jonathan was saying. I also prayed for the gospel opportunity that the unrest creates. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, this is a gospel moment in, mm-hmm. in the Ukraine, that this will provide opportunities because we, got, we serve a God that is a strength and a refuge and a fortress in time of need, um, that security is what others outside of the church don't have. And so in some ways, the, the difficulty of the moment, the, the, the fear of the unknown that's here, actually creates an opportunity um, for the church to put on display to the rest of the society what the rest of the society is looking for. Um, and so, as weird as it sounds, I'm praying for protection. At the same time, I'm praying use the 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 uncertainty of the hour to provide opportunities mm-hmm. for for the gospel. And maybe mm-hmm. that's contradictory. I hope not. Um, but it, it is the direction of my prayers. Well, you know, I mean, in, in a couple of different places, the. Uh, scripture specifically talks about how suffering for Christ's sake is a gift. So Philippians mm-hmm. 1, uh, 29 is one of those places. Is it has been granted to you not only to believe, but also to suffer for his name's sake. So uh, the church at large, suffering for uh, the name of Christ is part of God's redemptive plan for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, um, in the book of Acts, when I think it's Peter and John, when they're beaten – for preaching the gospel. The first thing you read after their beatings is it says that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. So mm-hmm. so even that is is part of that witness that you're talking about. And so um like we 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 pray for, you know, there's those two Chinese pastors, Qin Dai Fu and Wang Yi that got put in prison 4 years ago or so. Yeah, the the early rain church. Yeah, early rain Presbyterian church and yeah. and we and we pray that God give them a rejoicing heart that as they're suffering for mm-hmm. your namesake their persecutors would see it. I think that's what you're talking about yeah, in is. terms of speci- not only mm-hmm. specific prayer um but praying that their persecution would be part of their witness to to others. I might have this wrong, and so feel free to jump in and correct me, but I believe um, in Chuck Colson's book, The Body, he he speaks about um, how the persecution in Russia actually grew 
the 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 Russian Church, the true Christians within Russia, that the persecution actually um, had the opposite effect on the on the church in Russia than the the, the government intended. Am mm-hmm. I remember? Did anybody read this book? Am I remembering this correctly? Um, well, it sounds like a chapter out of the book of Acts. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. whenever yeah. persecution happens, yeah. it's like you're putting, you're trying to put out a fire with gasoline. When mm-hmm. Saul was ravaging the church in, in Acts chapter 8, what happened was, is then the disciples finally went out, uh, out of Jerusalem, into Je- Je- uh, Judea, into Samaria, into the uttermost parts right. of the world. So right. mm-hmm. that's, persecution is exploding the church. Right. And you, and, uh, historically, we've seen the underground church in places like China and other places where you realize there is a vibrant community of people that believe the gospel. That, you know, they don't, there's no announcement, there's no sign outside a building that says <coughs> uh, church meets here for worship at uh, 9.30 in the morning or 9 o'clock. But you know, that may be shifting from house to house, but there are people that are gathering and uh, having that fellowship together. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, thinking about the persecuted church worldwide also helps with my own perspective. Because mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes we can easily buy into the woe is me um, mentality that life is so hard and so rough and, and we have it so bad. And then we realize, oh, the things that I'm, I'm, I'm spending so much time and energy thinking about and stewing over are pretty small in comparison. Yeah, mm-hmm. being sneered at because you're a Christian is not the same as having per- real persecution. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call what's happening to Christians in America persecution, but we are being pressured mm-hmm. to, to, to privatize our faith right. and to keep it completely private. And there's tremendous social pressure. Uh, today. uh, And we don't want to ignore that that's happening. Right. Right. Well, we'll actually get that to one of our our top ten stories, so we'll see that soon. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.